Hello, dear listeners, and welcome and back. Welcome back to another episode of The Divine House Reads The Divine Comedy. Okay. Here we Hello, go. Again. It Damn, is now that was a big waterfall. So that was great. And it was totally unplanned, might I tell you. Um, well, not you, because you did it with me, but you Wait, as in about the waterfall in the poem. The diegetic waterfall. Huh? The, <laughs> the, okay, never mind. No, the waterfall that we just made with our voices, right? No, Each person I saying a different the word. Waterfall of the cockatus as it descends into the abyss of hell. Oh, I thought you meant how we just both the, said different words. That was really beautiful, also, listeners. I hope you okay. appreciate that. Well, I forgot about the other waterfall, so there's just too many details for my little brain to <laughs> to, to find uh, to grasp. Anyway, dear listeners update it is today is what august 31st monday it's freezing august well it It should not in seattle it should be well yeah um uh it has been what march april may june july august it's been full six months since we've been in pretty much pandemic land is that true oh my god yeah yeah it is and um yeah, Yikes. it's pretty boring, gotta say. But you well, know, people will look back on this in a hundred years and ask themselves how people made it through the pandemic, just like how the Israelites made it through the Babylonian exile. And mm, it'll be, you know, just a moment of remembrance of the human spirit. Truly. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. Anyway. So... <laughs> Um, what happened in our last canto? Well, canto, not canto. Well, we saw the, we saw three sort of uh, prominent Gelf leaders Mm -hmm. who were sort of circling around each other, like professional, professional wrestlers stripped and oiled, some kind of homoerotic language, perhaps. Um, and so we saw them and they asked Dante to remember them in the living world and, and, and preserve their reputations. And there was some political stuff, but honestly, that's sort of over my head because I don't know that much about, you know, politics in Florence in the 1300s. And then we left, we followed the river. Which river again? The Leith? Well, I don't no, know which- I thought that we were... Well, first we had the River Styx up in the fifth circle, and then apparently the one that we were following during the seventh was the Phlegathon, but it was boiling blood instead of fire. Right. So presumably it's still the Phlegathon, but then we learned about how all the rivers came out of the old man of Crete's eyes, so it could be any of them, really. They could be combining. Yeah, like, it's unclear which... as they go down, they combine. Okay. Oh, is that how it works? Oh, I guess that makes well, sense. According to Dante, that's right. not how it works. Well, in some other legends, like they all combine in Tartarus. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so then we were we went we descended further. Dante and Virgil descended, and then Virgil took off of Dante his looped coil, the the cord yeah, that he that was, was wearing around his waist, hot, and threw it into the abyss. And then we saw something we're not sure yet. Uh, swimming up through the thick and murky air Gross. of the abyss, and there was a fun in lines one twenty seven through one twenty nine. Dante d- talks directly to the reader, which was sort of fun because that doesn't happen very often in the canto. Yes, um, and so we're not sure what the monster is yet. I guess we'll find out. What is? I don't know. No. Okay, shall we cool. begin? Yeah. Canto X V I I I. And now, behold the beast with pointed tail that passes mountains, annulling walls and weapons. Behold the one that makes the world's, the whole world stink. These were the words I heard my master say as he signaled for the beast to come ashore, up close to where the rocky levee ends. And that repulsive spectacle of fraud floated close, 
maneuvering head and chest onto the shore, but his tail he let hang free. His face was the face of any honest man. It shone with such a look of benediction, and all the rest of him was serpentine. His two clawed paws were hairy to the armpits. His back and all his belly and both flanks were painted arabesques and curly cues. The Turks and Tartars never made a fabric with richer colors intricately woven, nor were such complex webs spun by Arachne. Whoa. Man, who is this beast? So he has the face of an honest man? Seems like some kind of... Remember how Minos had a long tail? Mm-hmm. I, I honestly do not know who this is. Okay. Like, I... This imagery is alien to me. Hmm. I would have thought it was like a chimera or like some kind of monster, but yeah, I know. And what is what? Do you, what do you think Dante means by so his his face is honest, show, shining with a look of benediction, but all the rest of him is kind of like a snake. He has two hairy paws. His back and belly and both flanks were painted arabesques and curly cues. What does that mean? Like he had kind of short hair, like a like a poodle. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Uh, it seems like he's wearing clothes, maybe, because it talks about like the 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 fabric. Yeah. Who is like Arachne? Very... Oh, that's a fun oh, story. Arachne. Arachne is a fun story. Arachne, mm-hmm. who you've probably read about in your Dolaires, which was Lucy gave to me as a present. This, um, she basically her flaw was hubris. She claimed that she this was this woman who claimed that she could weave better than Athena. And Athena was like, oh, hell no. And (laughs) they had a competition and uh, Arachne technically won um, because um, Athena is the goddess of weaving and like crafts. Oh, she is? In addition mm -hmm. to wisdom? Yes. Yes. Well, that's this whole thing where like Athena is the goddess of war and wisdom and crafts. But in Roman mythology, Minerva is only the goddess of wisdom and crafts. They kind of, they strip her oh. of her warlike stature as part of their conquest of the Greeks. Is that why she has a helmet and when she jumps out of Zeus's head, she's wearing a helmet? Um, That's, yeah, because she's like the goddess of war. I thought Ares was the goddess of war, god of war. Well, there's t- there's a goddess and a god. Often there's mm. like multiple. It's she's less the goddess of war than she's more like strategy, like battle strategy. Oh, Ares okay, okay. is like the god of like I'm gonna tear your body apart and right. like dominate you. And Athena is more like I will very coyly beat mm-hmm. you in a battle. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, she must have been really good at battleship. <laughs> Probably Fun game. <laughs> Okay. Okay. Anyway, so then, Arachne gets turned into a spider because Athena is so mad at her for being better at her than at weaving. So that's like a how it's like a what is that thing that um Kipling wrote like the just so stories? It's like the just so story about how mm. spiders, the weavers. There we go. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Anyway, so what I don't know who this is. Okay, the notes are kind of giving away who it is, but I don't see it. Should we continue? Sure. Okay. As sometimes fishing boats are seen ashore, part fixed in sand and part still in the water, and as the beaver, living in the land of drunken Germans, (laughs) squats to catch his prey, just so that beast, the worst of beasts, hung waiting on the bank that bounds the stretch of sand and stone. What the fuck? Okay, Dante thinks the Germans are just... Drunken imbeciles. That's funny. (laughs) The beaver of the land of the drunken Drunken Germans. Germans. That was pretty weird. In the void beyond, he, the beast, exercised his tail, twitching and twisting up the venomed fork that armed its tip Mm. just like a scorpion's stinger. What? Okay, I have no idea. Like, if I hadn't read the name, even... Okay, I read the name in the little subtitle... Of this canto, but I seriously do not see it. I don't. I mean, I wouldn't have. I still don't know who it is. And I once we figure it out, I will explain why I'm so confused. Okay, my leader said, "Now we must turn aside a little from our path in the direction of that malignant beast that lies in wait." So Virgil says, "Okay, now we have to go 
talk with this dude. Then we stepped off our path down to the right and moved ten paces straight across the brink to keep the sand and flames at a safe distance. And when we stood by Jerian's side, Garian, Jerian, I say, Garian, I noticed Jerian, Garian's side. I noticed a little farther on, some people crouched in the sand quite close to the edge of emptiness. Okay, who is Garian? What? Okay, this is the reason I'm so confused is that Garian is a like monster slash person mm-hmm. um, in Greek mythology, but. He definitely doesn't have all this crazy body parts. Like, okay, basically, Garion is this cattle herder. He's most famous for having these cattle. And he's supposed to have um, either three bodies and one head or one head and three bodies. Oh. Which maybe Dante is, like, interpreting to be, like, he has one head and then the body of, like, a cat, a serpent, and like a a weaver like i don't know but oh. basically he's he's in greek mythology because he gets killed by uh heracles as part of his tasks and the task is to herd the cattle of Garion or Jerian, mm-hmm. um which are they're really really big and they're really really red hmm. um and there's this amazing poem I think it's about Garion, the autobiography of Red by Anne Carson is like huh. kind of a retelling of the myth of Garion, but also about like this sexually abused boy. Anyway, mm. um, that's I'm so, so Gar- confused with this this whole, you know, he, what is it? He's like the face of fraud or like he's uh, well, something that Giuseppe Mazzotta said was that he represents fraud because his chest looks very uh, trusting, trustworthy, and honest. His or his face, sorry, his face. But then, mm. so that's your first impression when someone defrauds you. You think they're being honest at first, but then when you get to the rest of it, it's revealed that actually this is a, a beast um, with you know, yeah, many different scary parts that actually are are very deceptive because of the face. Mm. So I think that's maybe the. Well, that's why that's definitely why he's representing fraud here. But I'm just saying that has nothing to do with the classical. Garion. Huh? Maybe yeah. that was a different myth of Garion. I mean, it says Actually, that in in the in the note here on page eighty nine, it says in classical mythology, Garion was a three bodied giant who ruled Spain and was slain by Hercules. So, uh, well, the three bodied giant thing, yes, and like the whole like Hispania setting it that all makes sense but that's like not like basically Hmm. he's he in those myths he's like a person who has three bodies okay you know what i have the dolaire's book with me right now should we just check yeah maybe there's something in there that oh that's my door ha 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 um okay this is the best present ever i read it every night because i'm 10 years old okay so, Garion, I'm just going to look in the index for where he's mentioned. Because I, I do remember that he was one of the monsters to be vanquished by Heracles or Hercules. Um, 138. Okay, so in the Dolaire's Book of Greek Myths, it says that... Um, for his tenth labor, Heracles was sent to an island. Here, sorry, my computer keeps on um, falling asleep. Heracles was sent to an island far out in the ocean to bring back a huge herd of red cows. So this is what you already said, Lucy. They belong to Gary and a monster with three bodies on one pair of legs. So blah, blah, blah. Heracles goes to find Garion. He's out at sea. He gets to Garion's island. Um, yeah, there's nothing else really here. I don't... I just don't, yeah. I think Dante is kind of innovating. I think hmm. that this is, I mean, I don't, nothing I have ever read links Garion with like fraudulentness. I mean, if anything, Hercules is just totally an asshole to him. And and basically Garion has all these cows and then <laughs> Garion, like Heracles comes and tries to take them. And Garion is yeah. like, hello, these are my cows. You oh, know, I wonder, oh, go ahead. 
The only way to kill him is by putting an arrow through all three of his bodies. That's the other oh, thing. Oh, interesting. But like um, again, nothing about. Hmm, nothing about fraud. I wonder. I, yeah, I don't know. I wonder when humans domesticated cattle. I mean, this is very parenthetical, but in the Bible, the Bible keeps on. Sorry, I'm reading the Old Testament now. By the way, well, mm-hmm. the Hebrew Bible. I shouldn't say Old Testament. And in the in Genesis one one verse chapter one verse one and chapter one verses two through like eight. I can't remember, but the Bible makes specific reference to cattle as, and then it sort of lumps all other animals into categories, you know? Mm. So it says like, you will have dominion over the birds of the sea and the crawl and the, the animals of the land and the cattle. And it's kind of like cattle must've been so, so important. And I, I just wonder when humans domesticated Well, it's them, interesting but... because then in the rest of Genesis, they don't really rely on cattle that much. It's mostly sheep and hmm. goats. Hmm. Like yeah, that I don't whole know. thing was that you I was talking about like the whole thing about how Jacob like convinces Laban to have his his he's like, I'll take all the speckled ones and Laban's like, Yeah, <laughs> yeah. okay. And then Jacob like makes them all speckled. It's very Lamarckian. Mm. Okay. Okay, back to Dante. Okay, back to Dante. So basically okay. I have no idea why this is Garyan, but like I'll take it. I'll just take Dante's mm-hmm. word for it. Just take it. Okay, was I reading? What's crazy to me is that the pilgrim, like, identifies who it is. And when we stood by Garion's side, like, he he recognizes this creature as Garion, but there's no, there's no other reason we should recognize it as Garion. Mm. That's really curious. Yeah, I don't know why. I mean, I guess it's because Dante the pilgrim is also Dante the poet. I guess, The diachronic yeah. and the yeah. synoptic viewpoint. Yeah. Um okay. So you were just reading, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh I don't remember where you left off. Me neither. <laughs> Sorry guys. Oh yeah. Well, I think we're right at the quite close to the edge of emptiness. I think we finished that. Okay. Just then my master spoke. So that you may have a knowledge of this round that is complete, he said, go and see their torment for yourself. Because he sees some people crouched in the sand quite close to the edge of emptiness. But but let your conversation there be brief. While you are gone, I shall speak to this one and ask him for the loan of his strong back. So I continued walking all alone along the seventh circle's outer edge to where the group of sufferers were sitting. The pain was bursting from their eyes. Their hands were went scurrying up and down to give protection here from the flames, there from the burning sands. They were, in fact, like a dog in summertime, busy, now with his paw, now with his snout, tormented by the fleas and flies that bite him. I carefully examined several faces among this group caught in the raining flames and did not know a soul, but I observed that around each sinner's neck a pouch was hung, each of a different color, with a coat of arms, and fixed on these they seemed to feast their eyes. Hmm. Hmm. I think it's kind of cool how how Virgil says that he's going to ask Jerrion or Garion for a loan, for the loan of his strong back. Because isn't yeah, I like that. aren't fraudulent loans kind of the way one of the ways that people commit fraud? You know, like mm. usurious lo- loans. Interesting. Yes, that's a cool. That's cool wordplay. Yeah, I like that. Okay. Oh, should I go on? Um, and your it's lines. And 50. while and while I looked about among the crowd. I saw something in blue on a yellow purse that had the face and bearing of a lion. And while my eyes continued their inspection, I saw another purse as red as blood, exhibiting a goose more white than butter. This is very Mm. into the woods, like, the cape is red as blood. (laughs) And one who had a blue sow, pregnant looking, stamped on the whiteness of his money bag, asked me, what are you doing in this pit? (laughs) Honestly, great question. Get out of here! And since you're still alive, I'll tell you that my neighbor Vitaliano will come to take his seat on my left side. Among these Florentines I sit, one Paduan. Time after time they fill my ears with blasts of shouting. Send us down the sovereign knight who will come bearing three goats on his pouch. What? Who is the sovereign knight? 
No idea. <laughs> uh, okay, well, there's a note. The Sovereign Knight is generally considered to be Giovanni Guiamonte, one of the Florentine <laughs> Becky family. He took part in public affairs and was named an honorific knight in 1298. His business, money lending, made his family one of the wealthiest in Florence. However, after going bankrupt, he died in abject poverty in 1310. Okay, so did he have a pouch with lots of goats on it? That must have been his uh, crest, but he's not dead yet. I'm not dead yet. Because he only dies um, in 1310, so clearly they're all like, this great moneylender is coming with his thing, but because it's only 1300 now, he doesn't die for another 10 years. So Dante, the writer, knows he's dead, but Dante hmm. the Pilgrim hmm. is like still alive. But the other men- moneylenders are like, we're waiting for him. That's cool. How do we know they're moneylenders? Because they have pouches, um, like pouches for money. Is that the idea? I mean, that would be pretty obvious if that's what it is. I mean, also, well, I mean, aren't these the usurers? Sorry, I read the note. Sorry. Well, no, it's okay. These are the usurers, but I, now we're kind of reversing roles, and I'm being the Yale school of literal interpretation. No, no, we, or whatever. yes, we do not know that they are money lenders. We just know that there are people who have pouches around their neck. But you know what? That must be how we know they're money lenders. Because why else would you carry a actually, pouch around your neck if you didn't? Yeah, actually, I mean, maybe, maybe that it was just a, a purse. Sign. But I think probably that's what it is. Yeah. And then, yeah, in the in the in the note, it says that these other people. Because remember, there's one person with um has who has a yellow purse with a blue lion on it, and then another purse person that has a red purse with a goose more white than butter on it. This was before Lando Lakes and food coloring, might I say. <laughs> Um, and somebody oh, with cool. a white bag with a blue sow on it. Yeah. So these so, must be, this is kind of like somebody like, like you can't recognize any of their faces, but they're all wearing like one Gucci handbag and one like <laughs> Nike, like trainer. Like it's kind of, they're, they're sort of branded with their family right. name. Right. Okay. Or they each have a necklace with like Coco, like written mm. on it or like Frank. Coco. Also, these people are really looking at each other's. Are they looking at each other's pouches, or are they looking at their own? Because on in lines fifty-five through fifty-seven, oh, it yeah, says that know. each center has a pouch that was hung uh, with different color with a coat of arms, and fixed on these, they seem to feast their eyes. It's unclear so, whether they're looking at their own, but they're or or different ones. Maybe that's kind of an intended ambiguity, though. That's interesting. You know, because yeah, yeah. either you're so obsessed with your own money or you're obsessed with other people, with other people's money, but ultimately you're just obsessed with money, so who cares? And your faces have become blurred because, like, you're not even a person anymore. You're just money. How do we know that their faces are blurred? Well, because he doesn't really, he doesn't really know anybody, but he's known oh. people in every other, can't, any, every other circle, right? He's been like, oh I yeah, guess, I, saw, I guess you're right. I saw that one who's, like, the great deceiver or whatever, and then other <laughs> one who, like... Whatever, but he doesn't recognize a single person, mm. which to me is like very. Which suspect. let's just remember that the population of Florence at that t- time was seventy thousand people, and so it wouldn't actually have been hard for Dante to you know recognize by face a lot of people. I don't actually know what the cap on facial recognition of the human brain is, but. Um, it, that would make well, sense. I just think yeah. to a modern reader, you know, reading it, it's like, oh, you didn't know anybody, you know, they must have come from somewhere else. But we just have to remember even, that. Like, even compared to the other cantos, like in basically mm. every canto, he's been like, oh, yeah, Piera de la Vigne, you know, <laughs> Copanius, he's over there. Brunetto Latini, oh, I know him really well. Like, yeah. I just I feel like he's has a pattern of being like, oh, yeah. And then these people that I'm going to diss are like in these or like this pope mm. and that pope or here but here if he doesn't recognize anyone to me even within the poem that's different right and i guess in this note musa says apparently the usurers this is on page 91 are unrecognizable through facial characteristics because their total concern with their material goods has caused them to lose their individuality so Mm. that would make sense okay Um, so they, so they just said send us down the sovereign knight who will come bearing three goats on his pouch who is this Giovanni Buiamonte guy. Mm-hmm. Um, as final comment, he stuck out his tongue as far out as an ox licking its nose. Mm-hmm. 
what that is so funny <laughs> and i afraid my staying there much longer might anger the one who warned me to be brief aka virgil, virgil. turned my back on these frustrated sinners i found my guide already sitting high upon the back of that fierce animal so jerian he said and now take courage and be strong from now on we descend by stairs like these get on up front i want to ride behind to be between you and the dangerous tail Oh, Virgil, that's so nice of you. So nice of you. So protective. A man who feels the shivers of a fear coming on, his nails already dead of color, will tremble at the mere sight of cool shade. I was that man when I heard his words, but then I felt those stabs of shame that make a servant brave before his valorous master. As I squirmed around on those enormous shoulders, I wanted to cry out, hold on to me, but I had no voice to second my desire. Oh my god, he totally is into Virgil. He's into Virgil. Also, I I think it's kind of telling about Christian, the sort of like Christian palette of emotions that the only reason that you're brave is that you're ashamed to not be brave. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But also, it's so like, it's a, it's a type of servitude that I think is sort of alien now. Like, we what think of mean? servants, like, would servants... Do servants really feel like they want their master to be proud of them in the modern consciousness? No. No. Servants, like, are trying to be free. Like, that's the whole, like, liberatory thing. So it's interesting right. to me that he's he's a servant because he serves Virgil and he chooses to serve him. Mm. Not because, or, like, he he's analogous to a servant. Not in a forced sense or, like, an economically But in a chosen sense. sense. Yeah. 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 Like you choose to serve your Lord. I mean, well, and we can't really separate also the kind of feudal undertones of that, which yeah, I'm exactly. sure the church, you know, exploited to keep people in servitude. Right. Just, you know, rhetorically or, or discursively, but if not, yeah, but actually also like, di directly. Also like Jesus and God, like you kind of, there's this like service mm. has mm -hmm. these different tones. Anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, my desire, blah, blah, blah. Then he, who once before had helped me out when I was threatened, ah, put his Ooh. arms around me, oh my god, Ooh. as soon as I was settled, and held me tight. And then, I'm sorry, this is just like, it's like, he put his arms around me and held me tight. And then he cried, now, Jerrion, start moving, descend with gentle motion, circling wide. Remember, you are carrying living weight. Okay, how does Virgil convince this humongous monster that's just circling around in the seventh circle to carry to like be their horse? I you don't know? know. Maybe we're gonna find out. Does Jerrion even speak English <laughs> or I Italian? Guess. You know, how do you do that? Okay, Virgil is saying, "Hop <clears throat> on, kid." <laughs> Just as a boat slips back away from shore, back slowly more and more, he left that pier, and when he felt himself all clear in space to where his breast had been, he swung his tail and stretched it undulating like an eel, as with his paws he gathered it in the air. I doubt if Phaethon feared more. Who's Phaethon? Phaethon is the Phaethon. son of... Uh, I want to say Apollo, the sun god, who asked to drive his father's chariot one day and went too fast. Ooh. That's why okay. um certain wagons, or sorry, like carriages are called phaetons. Mm. Okay, interesting. I doubt if Phaeton feared more. That time he dropped the sun reins, okay, here we go, of his father's chariot and burned the streak of sky we see today. What streak? Or if poor Icarus did, feeling his sides melt, unfeathering as the wax began to melt. Oh, sorry. Feeling his sides unfeathering as the wax began to melt. His father shouting, wrong, your course is wrong, than I had when I felt myself in air and saw on every side nothing but air. Only the beast I sat upon was there. He moves along slowly, and swimming slowly, descends a spiral path. But I know this only from a breeze ahead and one below. I hear now on my right the whirlpool roar with hideous sound beneath us on the ground. At this I stretch my neck to look below. But leaning out soon made me more afraid, for I heard moaning there and saw the flames. Trembling, I cowered back, tightening my legs. And I saw then what I had not before. The spiral path of our descent to torment closing in on us, it seemed, from every side. 
Okay, did you cash how did you cash catch how in lines one eighteen through one twenty he goes into the present tense? He slips into the present tense from the past tense. Yeah, that's really interesting. Should I check in the Italian whether that happens? Yeah. Let's see. Yeah, Italiano, blah blah blah. <laughs> Mozzarella, Roma. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, he does. Okay, that's so interesting. Oh no, okay, why? This okay. Let me just find the place in the Italian. Okay. Okay. Actually, I no. Actually... It's not just one eighteen through one twenty. It's actually one fifteen through one twenty. Because, because, mm-hmm. so basically, he and Virgil get on the back of Jerry. Yes. Oh wait, 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 wait! I know why. It's because Virgil's talking, right? No. No, he's not. So talking. is he? Okay, wait. So Virgil says, "Now, Jerrion, start moving." Okay, then he remember you're carrying living weight. So then there's a pair of quotes. So now we're back to Dante the Pilgrim, just and then as his a boat slips back his away. Father, Daedalus, shouting, "Wrong! Your course is wrong!" And then it closes the quote. Then I had I when doubt- I felt myself in error. Yeah, he's saw- saying, I doubt if Phaeton feared more, or if poor Icarus did, than I did. When I felt myself in error and saw on every side nothing but air, he moves along slowly and swimming slowly. And it seems like because, so basically Sinclair and Musa both switched to present tense there. And I, from what I can tell in the Italian, it also changes to present tense, which is huh. really interesting. Do we think that that's because it's supposed to be some th- an eternal statement of what Jerrion does, or what f- fraudulent people do, or something, Maybe. or money lenders? He moves along slowly, swimming slowly, descends a spiral path. But I know this only from a breeze ahead and one below. Interestingly, Musa stays in the the present tense through. Uh, at this, I stretch my neck to look below, but the mm-hmm. Italian switches back to past tense. After the wind blowing in my face. Huh. Oh, sorry. The whatever, however, Musa says it. A breeze ahead and one below. So Musa stays in the present tense a little bit longer than Dante does. Hmm. So interesting. What do you think? Just do you think that there could be a sort of a double entendre here? So Jerrion, who represents fraud moves along slowly, swimming slowly, descends a spiral path, so always spiraling down into hell. And the spiral, as we've mentioned, as we've discussed before, represents a union between linear time and circular Mm. time. So you do things repeatedly, but actually it goes on through time. So fraudulent people maybe just are constantly defrauding in the circle of fraud, but also they live a lifetime with a linear timeline. So something like that. I think, yeah, I I think it says something thing. really powerful about, like, once fra- once a fraud, always a fraud. Like, you have no choice but to kind of, like, repeat. Exactly. It's kind of also when, when you start telling a lie, it's so much harder to stop telling a lie, mm-hmm. which is a big mm-hmm. theme in a lot of literature in right. English from right after this period. That's a really good point. And then, but then Dante the Pilgrim... Or maybe the poet says, but I know this only from a breeze ahead and one below. It's almost as if Dante the poet is like becoming caught up in the experience of reliving this this memory. And like, it's like he's there. He's a part of his mind is there forever. Okay. You know what? I think I know why he just switches to present tense because throughout the poem, Dante switches in and out of between Dante the pilgrim who mm-hmm. is recounting his story to the reader in past tense, mm. and Dante the poet, mm. who is has a more synoptic viewpoint. So, like, Dante himself in this poem, you know, sometimes he'll say, but dear reader, now I think that you should pay attention to this, or and it's in the present mm-hmm. tense always. So it's almost like here he's actually switching back into the the, the Dante the poet kind of viewpoint and saying, I only know about this pattern of fraud because I because it's sort of all around me. There's a breeze ahead, there's one below, I hear on my right the hideous sound beneath us, and I stretch my neck to look below. Um, I'm always looking at this, you know, the pathway into sin. I know it exists, but I'm not in it. Or something like that, maybe. Mm. 
I don't know. I would really love to know what Mark, uh, what I mean, Giuseppe Mazzotta thinks. I think that's, those are all like definitely possible. One other possibility, which happens a lot in middle English is that um, he, he wanted to say a certain thing in this. I mean, this is a kind of, it, it's not as literary perhaps, but it is something that we should think about, which is that uh, it rhythmically doesn't fit to do past tense. Oh. And you have to switch tenses and it's poetic to switch tenses because of all the other reasons that we've said. So you can actually get away with switching tenses and hmm. rhythmically it can, st- or like in terms of rhyme, it can still work. So huh. for example, here, he goes swimming slowly on. Ella sen va notando lenta, lenta, rota e discende, discende maybe, ma non me n'accorgo. Senon calviso el disotto mi venta. So, hmm. like, basically, it could be that if he had tried to make that in the past tense, that it wouldn't have been rhythmically or rhymingly, uh, hmm. that it wouldn't have worked. And he's working in such a close structure here of his own devising that hmm. he can kind of, it's it's like one reason to do it. You see this a lot in, um, like, sometimes people will have whole essays, like, arguing this and this diction in English poetry and actually those are, their arguments are none of these things are wrong like an interpretation can't necessarily be wrong if you can back it up with evidence but another way of thinking about it is that the poet mm. is also dealing with these constraints of form well Tertiarima right he's just trying exactly. to keep the the pattern oh that's so interesting yeah so it can it's not that either one is necessarily true but sometimes the you can think about constraints of form leading to these poetic things and vice versa hmm. so that's another possible explanation i also wonder if i wonder that's a really that's really good lucy i didn't know that about or i wouldn't have thought of that about um poetry so that's a really great insight i mean the other thing that i think about is whether or not this is a political statement because dante is writing this when he's in exile when he was accused of fraud remember he was accused of corruption that's the reason why, well, that was one of the charges that the Black Gelfs and or the Ghibellines mm. brought against him to mm. exile him. And so I wonder if this this is him saying, I wasn't guilty. You know, I know that Jaren is out there, but I only know this because I have seen breezes of it. I've seen other people being fraudulent. And I hear now on my right the whirlpool roar with the hideous sound beneath us on the ground. I wonder if that kind of, the the sort of sonic um the, the evoking the sonicness of that maybe is kind of pointing towards the roar of florence with the hideous sounds of everybody fighting i don't know i'm just i'm really just kind of spitballing here but okay one other thing to note about the italian that i'm looking really closely um and that's really cool i i wish i knew more about the context of this but like basically in the italian he repeats the word lenta meaning slow um, and in order to repeat the word lenta, meaning slow, he that's what forces him into the present tense. Because, Wait, can you say that again? So, um, I th- I mean, I'm, I don't even speak Italian, so anybody who speaks Italian is looking at this is probably going to be like, what? Basically, the in Italian, the line that Sinclair translates, he goes swimming slowly on. And mm-hmm. Musa translates as, he moves along and swimming slowly moves along slowly and swimming slowly mm-hmm. he in italian it's ella sen va notando lenta lenta and the the present tense va mm-hmm. goes is shorter than the past tense would be but if he had just gotten rid of one of the lentas he would have been able to put the past tense so it's hmm. he really, really wants to emphasize the slowness of this. And he's willing to change, one argument would be, he's willing to change tenses in order to emphasize how slowly this is going. Hmm. Which I think is actually really telling with what you were talking about with fraud and kind of the the process of fraud, that it's it's kind of like happening so slowly that you don't even know it's happening. Hmm. Yeah, you, you kind of get You're not even sensorially, you're not, since there are no cues that it's fraud except like this slight wind so that's mm. i mean that signals to me like a really fraudulent or like a very convincing fraud which is the most dangerous kind there's so hmm. there's, i think there's a lot of richness there 
So and what do we think the whirlpool? How do what's the Italian word for whirlpool? Um I hear now on my right the whirlpool roar. Uh, in Mar- in the Sinclair, it's I heard now on our right the torrent making a hideous roar below us. Which so it seems like it's more of like a waterfall. Mandestra el gorgo. I think it's like the gorge, like the I don't know, Marco. You would be so yeah ashamed of us, but hmm. I just wonder what that is. It's a symbol. If that's a symbol for the constantly crashing, you know, when you're committing fraud or when you're lying, you kind of float along this river for a while, and then all of a sudden you go off a cliff and you just, it hits you. Mm. I don't know. I'm really reading a lot in here. but Okay, Gorgo apparently translates to more like eddy. So I think there is certainly like a... It's like sort of a circular thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whirlpool or eddy. So it's not just torrent. So Sinclair is kind of... Hmm. Okay. It's not just a torrent. It is it is that that circular motion is definitely... Because this is the river that's, that's, that's turning into a waterfall, right? Or whirlpooling yes. down? And presumably also going down, yeah. And getting narrower. Hmm. Okay, okay. Interesting. Huh. So much richness there. Love it. Love it. It would be so Closing great to read this on. in the original Italian. I love having the Italian. Like, I don't mm-hmm. speak Italian, but I can sort of follow it. Mm-hmm. Like, if I read the translation. Yeah. So fun. Okay, so anyway, he's he's leaning out over Jerrion, and he hears moaning down there and sees more flames. Um, yeah, yeah, more flames. And then he we sees what he had not seen before, the spiral path of our descent to torment. Closing in on us, it seemed from every side. So the the cavern of hell is actually narrowing here. Mm-hmm. Okay. Do you want to like the garbage off? compactor in Star Wars? <laughs> okay. Yeah. As as the falcon on the wing for many hours, having found no prey and having seen no signal, so that his falconer sighs, "Oh, he falls already." Okay. Not okay. readable, Dante. <laughs> descends. Dante. As the falcon blah, 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 descends, worn out, circling a hundred times, instead of swooping down, settling at some distance from his master, perched in anger and disdain. So Jarian brought us down to the bottom, at the foot of the jagged cliff, almost against it. And once he got our bodies off his back, he shot off like a shaft shot from a bowstring. Whoa. Hmm. Wow. So Jerrion is kind of not happy to carry them. But what can Virgil tell him? Can I just confuse, can I just say two things? A, I'm confused that Jerrion just kind of becomes their horsey. Yeah, And they're able to ride him like a little pony. I mean, isn't he a terrible beast? A. B, I'm confused about the geography of this. Because if they're in a big, so if hell is a huge cavern that's always narrowing and narrowing, if it's basically a pit that's kind of like a you know, a cone upside down, then where are all these sinners sitting? And also, where is the flames? Are flames still raining down? And also, where's the river? How is there a river if it's just a big pit? Confused. These are all great questions. I really need, I wonder what would happen if I Google right now um, geography of Dante's Inferno and just go to like image search. I'm going to do that too. What do we get? Oh, whoa. Very elaborate. Oh, yeah. no. I don't want to get spoiled. Me too. Me neither. Basically, basically, I think that, like, this pit is so humongous that, like, there are whole landscapes inside it. That's my impression so far. Right. Actually, I was talking to my dad yesterday, who's a geologist, about how far it is to the center of the Earth from where we are, you know, from mm. the crust. And we used the 2 pi r equation, which I learned for the GRE to get into grad school. LOL. I mean, I had learned you, it before, learned but then I forgot it. High okay. Well, yeah, yeah, but I had forgotten it since <laughs> high school. And we calculated that to the center of the Earth, there are probably... Um, sorry, now I'm actually just Googling it because I don't want to sound stupid. Uh, there's probably about 5,000 5, miles. Well, now Google tells me it's about 4,000 miles. Anyway, but so that's a lot of space for Dante to be going down into. Yeah, 
I mean, if it fills the whole center of the earth, I mean. Okay, the deepest we have ever drilled into the crust of the earth is the Kola Superdeep Borehole, which is only 12 kilometers deep. Wow, that's crazy. Also, the crust of the earth is 21 miles thick, but the mantle is 1,774 miles thick. And then you get into the, you know, inner and outer core, which is really hot because it's radioactive. That's what also my dad told me. Okay, anyway, orthogonally, back Whoa. to this. La la la. Okay, I found a really good map. Okay, I think I found quite... the same map. It's, is, is it the one, one on that Pinterest? says a map of hell, hell, the infernal realm? It just says Inferno, Dante Alighieri, 1300 AD. Oh, no. <laughs> what is that? I don't see that one. I'm going to send it to you on WhatsApp. So what can you send me the one you're looking at? Yeah, I really like this one. It kind of looks like, oh, oh, just kidding. This one is trying to merge Milton and Dante. Oh, Oh my God. I love this. Wait, let me read the caption. Can two very different versions of hell be merged into one with compromises? Heck, yeah. It's the infernal (laughs) peanut butter cup. (laughs) (laughs) What? I love it. Okay, this is cool because it's like, it's like, oh my god, hilarious. Okay, I'm okay, you have to look this. at this one that I found because this one is really good. So basically, you have basically the way that they show it is that none of these rivers really meet. And oh, I saw this one, but it looked weird. This is no, it's actually helpful. kind of good. No, it's oh, good really? for like where it. everything is, but it's not like. It's not like yeah, yeah. Well, I, I mean, I think ahead. the answer, I think the answer is that it's not really geographical. But maybe it is. Wait, look at this did, one that I found. Okay, but my computer's being slow. Did we already tell our listeners about the fun fact with um, Galileo? Um, no, you should. You said you were going to say it, so you should say oh, it now. Okay. Oh, dear listeners, ache in. Also, Lucy, let's be honest, no one is listening to this right now. Um, you know what? If you anyway. made it this far, listeners, like, you should literally email us and we will send you candy. Yeah, we'll send you a that? present. A peanut butter um, cup, unless you're allergic. Yes, or maybe a pouch with our crest on it. Um, crest. We don't have one, but we can make one up. Okay, it has to be a unicorn and a pony. So anyway, well, because okay. you, because I like ponies and you like unicorns. Oh my god, this map just downloaded. It's called Big as Hell Map. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Okay, but anyway, so, so while Lucy is doing that, the fun fact about Galileo, according to Giuseppe Mazzotta, who I'm just basically repeating and just taking all of his ideas, but not plagiarizingly because I'm citing it, um, is that apparently Galileo tried to calculate the square footage of Dante's Inferno. I love this. And he came up with the num- with a number that was the exact same square footage as the city of Florence, which people think is kind of funny because it's basically saying that Florence itself was hell. I just love yeah. that. Yeah. Wait, look at this Can map you s- I sent you. Oh, oh man. Isn't this awesome? Okay, listen. This is awesome. I don't wanna look, I don't wanna I don't wanna look down. Okay, this you is actually read good. It, Elaine. I know, I but don't like, want to look down. I, I, I read it, but, you know, I don't want to re-spoil it. Okay. This is actually good, because... Yeah, I think it's cool. Yeah. It doesn't really make sense still, but oh well. Just, like, wasps and maggots. And okay, like... what is what is Dolorose? Oh, no, this oh, is stuff from... Oh, by the from... way, this is... Yeah, it's a combo of Milton oh. and... Um... <laughs> and Dante, so it's so great. It's well, like we should Lecturia, read Milton next. New Babel. Yeah, we should. We should read Paradise Lost. Okay, fun fact about Babel. Um, Babel, maybe I already told you this. Babel literally means the door to God, the gate to God, Beb El. Because it's but, Yeah, sorry. Because that's what Babylon, like the city of Babylon was supposed to be the gates to uh the gate to heaven. But the Tower of Babylon then was struck down and God made everybody babble well, and not be able to understand Babel, each other. Not the ziggurat. The ziggurat, yeah. But Babel, just Babel and Babylon are different. Hmm? Babel and Babylon are different. Mm-hmm. Well, wasn't Babel the capital city of Babylon? 
well, they're related, but like Babel is like not really a real place. And Babylon oh, I is thought, a real place. I thought the Tower of Babel was in the capital city of Babylon. I don't maybe, but I don't think That's, so. Oh, we have to go back to Christina's. Okay, anyway, I really love this this canto. Um, I'm out I'm gonna look up a picture of Jerry. <laughs> Basically, okay, basically, I just Googled this. Basically, Babylon is, Babel is like a fictional thing that the, the Hebrew scriptures mm-hmm. are like, look, that's why it's called Babylon, because they're dumb, because actually the Jews, like the Israelites hate Babylon. Because they, they were come up with this there. reason that Babylon sucks. Oh. It's kind of like, it's like, yes, they're the same, but not historic, like, not really, because Babel and the Tower of Babel and, like, God striking it down because of them getting too close to God. Like, that's just mm. in the scripture, and it's part of the is- Israelite, like, we're better than that kind of thing. Mm. Okay, okay, okay. Sorry, so they, guys, they are, false news. No, 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 they're related. They're related, but, like, they're not... We shouldn't think of them as, like, historically the same place. Okay, 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 okay. Yeah, it's kind of like how the Moabites and the Ammonites are descended from Lot's two daughters who have sex right. with him in the cave what? after and getting him drunk and his wife turned into a pillar of salt. So it's kind of like, oh, the Moabites and the Ammonites suck because they're descended from the, the daughters of Lot who had sex with their father in a cave. But actually, that's just <laughs> Israelite, like, propaganda <laughs> saying. Well, like, then who is Shem descended think? from? Because wasn't Shem, isn't Shem the father of the Semites? Yeah. Shem is the son of Noah, though. That's totally, that's a different, that's way before. Oh. Yeah. Quote, unquote. Okay, All also, right. have you seen the trailers slash compilation videos for the movie <laughs> Noah? No? Starring, Are they funny? Starring, what's his name? Uh, the guy who plays Percy Jackson in the Percy Jackson movies. Um, you have to watch the trailer. It is so wild. Also, the Emma Watson is in it. Oh, Russell Crowe. Russell Crowe. It's like an action movie about the Ark. And it's like oh. so crazy. And I got into a like YouTube spiral the other day and ended up watching like many compilation videos of the movie. And it's so wacko. Okay. We should have a viewing. Lucy- we really should have a viewing. Lucy also got into watching these like evangelical fundamentalists oh, yeah. explaining shit about the Bible. So because I was like, I don't know what I was googling. Somehow I got on. Yeah, there all this this lady being like, "What was Ham's sin?" And I'm like, "Oh my god!" But she's like sitting on her couch, being like, "Guys, nobody really understands like why it's so bad that what, what Ham actually did." And I'm like. Oh my god. Ham, is it I'm, real? I'm fascinated by you. She's like, yeah, we can actually get really scientific about it. And I'm like, what is this? <laughs> I love it. I am a big consumer of that media now. Wow. But not I love but it like too. critically. 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 Critically, critically. And then course. I had to follow up with my text to Elaine being like, Elaine, these are not real, just so you know. Because <laughs> I was really afraid that you thought, I don't know what you thought. But I no, no, you, you have time to watch them. them. Oh, oh, okay. So you didn't get to the part where she's like, no, I didn't. Actually, the science is pointing to the translation of the nakedness. And I'm like, oh my God, no. No, oh, people are so, so great. badly educated, man. I know, I know. But we it's need great. public Listeners, education. That's why you should all listen to our podcast, which is really <laughs> citable and very true. Um, and <laughs> extremely academically rigorous. <laughs> also, you should go on Yale Open Online Courses and do Christine Hayes' okay, that History of the Bible, do. which you I'm doing right do now. So. Except I don't remember all of it because, you know, it's my first time ingesting all this material. However, there's also this course on death oh, yeah, with another with, um, Yale Shelley professor. Kagan. Yes. Yeah, and he sits on the table and wears these Converse, so and he seems like a 14-year-old like, boy. Yeah. So did good. you take that class? I didn't take it because it conflicted with one of my requirements. But oh. um, a lot of, basically, it's the kind of class where a lot of people shop it and are like, yeah, like, I might roll in death this semester. And then, then they're like, wait, <laughs> this is actually a lot of reading. I mm-hmm. can't do that. Well, it's half metaphysics, don't. half value theory. It's, it's actually really, like, 
intense stuff also but what i love about it at the beginning is how shelly kagan is just like yeah so this is not going to be about psychological attitudes towards death or how our culture thinks about death or how the funeral industry just rips people off by charging a lot for coffins it's actually going to be about what we think about personal identity and how when you die what happens to you and whatever and but he's like but i'm not really neutral about this you know you might have religious beliefs about an afterlife or you know whatever the the immortality of the soul i don't think any of that is true and like i'm gonna ask you to put all of that aside and just use your rational capacities to think about this which is what i love about philosophy love slash yeah slash rationality is very fraught as we have learned from critical (laughs) theory okay now we're just really now we're just chatting now we're just Um, chatting listen now we're just if you okay we actually should tell people that if they listen to all of the episodes um i literally will mail you candy if you listen to all the episodes because okay, i will I be so stoked them, i think we should give them a different prize kind of like how i'm giving a prize away for the marks reading group that is okay, actually that's very not funny real. The and prize we, is no it real, is real it what? is real yes listeners elaine is running this marks reading group um which is great but what? I thought the prize was just to get people to No, come. the prize is very themed. It's themed about Marx and capitalism and commodities. Is the prize and... a coat? No, and it's not iron. But it's not a, a pound of, of gold. <laughs> is it or money? A, shoe, a commodity. No, it's it has something to do with, with um, currency and commodities. Is and it they get to transfer smart. your British bank account to America for Oh you? my god, no. <laughs> Truly the bane of my existence. No, I can't tell you what the prize if I told you what the prize is, would you keep it a secret? I'm very good at secrets, you know that. I know, but you're part of the reading group, the reading so I group? feel like I shouldn't tell Wait, you but if you tell me then I shouldn't be eligible for it. Is it something well, that I would enjoy? I don't really think you would because it's just okay, kind then of a piece tell of me crap. about it. Okay, so the prize is <laughs> <laughs> the prize. I just want to tell someone I'm really bad at keeping my own secrets. Okay, well then I can vouch for you that it is real in the reading yes. group. And you okay, know so I'm the- gonna come because I have to because I'm your friend. <laughs> you don't have to. I want you to come because you like it. That was a joke. Okay, I okay, do okay, enjoy okay. it. What is okay. a use value? What is value? Um, oh, also, my other friend who I know from the Farm Worker, Student Farm Worker Alliance, sent me all this other stuff that's really helpful, like oh, reading great. guides and stuff. Yay. Also, I'm making a whole presentation about the history of economic thought. Oh, it's wow. It's going to be really good for our reading group, I think. It's only going to cool. take five minutes, but it's basically like, why was Marx interested in value? Like, what, what, I, why, are really economists, why are economists trying to pin down what value is? And mm. once you kind of understand that, then the whole thing becomes a lot clearer. Okay, but anyway, back to the track, which we have made. Um, <laughs> the prize is a sheet of money that hasn't been cut yet. It's a sheet of... Um, Wait, that your family got when you went to the dollar bills? Okay, yeah, but I'm going to buy a new one. How do it's you know that re-gifted, also? Because you showed me a picture of that one. I can't I did? remember why. Yes. We were like, it was oh. one of those days during like May when we were like literally just like lying on the floor of our house and we like, <laughs> we hate quarantine. <laughs> and you were like, want to look for my camera roll? And I was like, sure. And then you showed me this <laughs> Okay, well, I'm not going to give that exact same one, but you can buy them online and have them sent to like somebody's house. And yeah, I thought that would be funny. really funny. Wait, Isn't I that would be into that. You should Because you could. You could well, and you can still be eligible for the prize. So no, no, you I don't can... want to have the prize. No, I, that was my the, the cost of the knowledge of knowing what the prize is is that I'm not, I'm not eligible anymore. Oh my god! Just like the tree of good and evil, the cost of eating it is that you're not immortal anymore. Well, that doesn't actually make sense. Uh, we can think about it in those terms, sure. Okay, yeah, but that doesn't actually like the the I had parallel to... structure of that makes no sense, but. Isn't that a cool prize? Because it's a commodity like itself, but then it's made out of money. Well, you have to tell them that it actually costs more to get the sheet of money than the money is actually worth. Well, yes, that is true because it, it itself is a commodity. Of commodities. Isn't that so? It, well, of, it. well, yeah. Isn't that yeah, great? Money itself is a commodity. 
money itself is a commodity, but then it's a commodity of, but it, but also money is money. It's not just any other kind of commodity. Yes. It's the universal. Commodity. You know what I mean? Yeah. Here, I'll sh- okay, well, actually, now that I'm looking at it, um, it really expensive. <laughs> yeah. Okay, this one is $102. Oh what? my God. Oh my God. <laughs> Uncut current $106. Jesus. Okay, Elaine, I don't know. Okay, well, those are $2. Oh, no, 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 no. Okay, you can have a 25 note sheet of $1 mills, and that's $50. But that's sold out. Okay, who's buying that during a recession? $2 eight-note sheet of $2 is $36. Where are you seeing that? I'm on the catalog.usmint.gov. Me too. (laughs) Oh, look! The $1, a ten-note sheet of $1 bills is $27. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I'll just buy one of them. Whatever one is. No, it's not 27. It's 100. Oh, yeah. A 10 note sheet. Yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe I'll do that. But it says currently unavailable. Oh, it doesn't say unavailable for me. Oh, really? Maybe it's available. Oh, oh, no, it does. It does. And then it's like, remind me. Oh, my God. Imagine if you signed up for reminders from the U.S. Mint. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, they're all currently unavailable. Why is that? Maybe because, oh, you know what? I know why. Useless. No, no, no. It's because the Federal Reserve has been trying to keep interest rates super low. And if you inject more money into the economy, then interest rates rise. That's I'm why. sure I'm that is that in econ. Why? Because you're selling <laughs> sheets for people to... No, no, no. You can... Dude, no. You can cut it up and use it as money. Why would you spend $43 for $20? If you're dumb or if later, like, in you know, the local... Um, How People are buying cash straight from the mint. The mint. <laughs> enough to actually affect interest. Okay, but see, what if you bought this when you went to the trip, when you went on a trip to the mint with your family when you were twelve, and then later you had no more gold and diamonds and cubits of iron to sell to the local pawn shop? So you cut up all the money, and then it was your liquid money. I think that the reason is COVID nineteen. Okay, yeah, no, but that's because they're trying to cut interest rates. Okay, no, whatever. Their facility is closed. If you read their notes <laughs> for that. <laughs> okay, but isn't that a fun prize idea? That is really, I, I love that prize idea. Do you yeah. want it? Well, I, I would be motivated by that, yeah. Would you have but wanted it if I hadn't told you? Should we end the podcast? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Um, maybe we should. This one is an hour and two minutes. (laughs) But you know what? No one's listening, so it's fine. But this is where we decide what the prize is for listening to all of our episodes. Oh, okay, yeah, let's think about it. It has to be thematic. I think it's candy. Okay, you know, one idea besides candy. A shovel you can find your own hell. Okay, but you know what? If it were candy, we should look up recipes for thir- for fourteenth century candy and make it, and then like you know, oh like you can make hard pack, yeah, just like crystallized honey or like okay, stewed prunes. Fourteenth century Italian candy. <laughs> Desserts and sweet, festive sweet treats. Ooh, it'll be like head cheese, not vegan. Ew, gross. Okay, sweats, uh, sweets and sienna, spiced almond. Oh, panforte. Oh, what is that? Good. Cavallucci. Cavallucci. Like okay, yeah, let's do it. We can make the person some. Okay, listener, if you've gotten to this point, we will make you. We will make you some of these festive sweet treats from medieval Siena. Yeah. Or we'll send you a Dante Divine Comedy playing card deck. What? Yeah. If you Google and Google Images Dante gifts, there's all these really funny things. Maybe we'll send it's them. Dante- oh my god! Wait, we can send them of our of our cover photo. Okay, no, dude. We should send them this mug that says "It's a Dante thing you wouldn't understand." <laughs>
That's so funny. You that for Christmas. (laughs) Dante gifts. Are you just Googling Dante gifts? Oh my God. Yeah. Dante watch. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's just called Dante. I thought it was like a watch that told you like (sighs) where well you would go. Okay. There's this other thing. There's this other thing that says, I love my Bernese mountain dog, Dante heart. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, these are bad. Oh, you know what also would be a good gift? We could get them a notebook and then you and I could um, embellish it with medieval like letters. Bedazzled yeah. notebook. Okay, we'll keep brainstorming. For now, it's going to be candy. For now, it's going to be candy. Onesie that says Dante. You know what else I could do? I could paint a picture of Jerrion and send it to to our listener. Oh my god, there's a Dante Inferno fountain pen for 1,000 pounds. Are you kidding? What? Oh my god, you could get a ring that has Dante's head on it. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm seeing that now. Oh, that's so bad. Oh, oh or a scarf. Send them a hat so they could match Dante's portrait. Oh my god. Wow. Wow. There's so many options. Thank you so much for partaking of this. Probably you are deeply bored or can't figure (laughs) out how to turn it off. So we'll make it easier for you and end it soon slash now. Um, Well, I have many more gifts ideas. Gift ideas, by the way. I have no power here because I am in England and Elaine has (laughs) the record button. Okay, we're going to end it now. We love you all so much. We love you Midway upon the journey of our life, we decided to record this podcast. And hopefully it's not midway upon the journey of our life. Well, I guess we're 25, not 35. So yeah. But anyway, T minus 10 years midway upon the journey of our life. Okay, goodbye. Bye.